You are looking like your papa. Because you are made in his image. And he looks good. How many of you know that God looks good? Wow, so congratulations. It is a privilege for me to be here. And my name is Leif Hetland. And when you hear I have an accent, I am not from Alabama. I'm, I'm, but I am a true southerner. I am from the southwest coast of Norway. And uh, as I was saying, I just wanted to take a few moments just to share my story. And to hear the story that is behind this story. How many of you know that over your life there is a special destiny? Let me just see your hand. In the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it says, Even before the foundation of, of the world, he knew you. And you were predestined in love. So before the creation, before there was anything, there you are, together with him. And you were predetermined in love. The real you. And there are many things that is true about you, but it is not necessarily the truth. And the truth sets you free. It is at the moment, it's not just that you believe in God, but at the moment that you know that God believes in you. At the moment you believe in Him, you get saved. At the moment you know that He believes in you, you get transformed. And I just wanted to share a couple of things in regard to my story, both as an encouragement. Because uh, uh, around the world, a lot of people, they call me the ambassador of love. Yeah, and some of you have heard that. And even some of the Muslim leadership of the world, when you're coming into a mosque, and it's an incredible, I was just in one of the largest mosques in the world, where they introduced me, was an ambassador of love. And it's one of the biggest privileges that I can have, is to walk into a mosque and knowing that I am representing a God of love, and to be an ambassador of heaven and that love. But my story actually starts with while I was in my mother's womb. My mom had to have surgery. This was back in 1965. And she didn't know she was pregnant with me. And I don't know if you realize, and even over your life, if you told me the area in your life of the greatest attack, if you told me where the devil has attacked you, I can tell you what your destiny is. Because often where the serpent has bitten you is where you have the greatest authority. So when I came into this world in January 13, 1966, born in Stavanger, Norway, and came into a hospital, I was born into this world with fear. I was full of fear because my mom carried me in fear. What is the opposite of fear? Perfect love cast out fear. So from the beginning, I was an ambassador of love. But the enemy saw that, and the enemy is trying to stop, even for me to being born into this world. The enemy is trying to stop destiny. And there is a destiny over each one of our life. And the first thing he's trying to do is to steal our identity. Because if you don't have the right identity, you will never find your destiny. And many of us, we are focusing on what am I called to do, instead of what am I called to be. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. So part of my assignment here when I came in, and then when I was about 12 years old, some painful things took place. And that started a life of both pain, shame. I started to cover up. Came from a godly family. My parents, born-again Christian. My father was a businessman. And he's still, I mean, he's a retired businessman. So it had nothing to do with my natural family. But again, what does the enemy try to do? He's trying to stop the innocence. 
because of some of the things that I carry. So as a result of that, I started the next five years as a prodigal son. And from I was 13 to I was 18, I just went after everything that the enemy had to offer. I ended up as a prodigal son. And when I was 18 years old, a drug addict, suicidal, weighed about 98 pounds, there was not a lot of hope for my life. All of this is true, but it is not the truth. The truth is that I'm an ambassador of love that is going into the darkest places of the world to represent heaven and to be able to bring the very atmosphere and the environment of heaven. That has always been the prophetic word that was over my life. But as a result of it, I didn't know my destiny because I still not found my identity. Then at the age of 18, I got gloriously saved. I often say that's the good news. The bad news was I went to church. I'm not saying that anything wrong about the church. I love the church. But back then, I didn't know I went from rebellion to religion. So the first part of my life, as I'm saying, I was moving as a prodigal son. The next part of my life, I started to live as a prodigal brother. And I didn't realize that being out there on the field, working for God, because I didn't know how to live from God. Let me say that one more time. I was out there on the field that I was working for God because I didn't know how to be a son in the father's house and just live from God. I was living for love because I didn't know how to live from love. And I learned how to be a good achiever because that's how you get value. And I didn't realize that despite of all these words over my life, the encounter where I got saved, healed and delivered and set free, despite of all these incredible encounters I had, now I am out there. I went to Bible college and seminary, married, had children, eventually four children, and I was a Baptist pastor on June 6, 1995. And some of you that have heard my story, there's a Baptist pastor. I heard a man named Randy Clark. He was coming to our little place in Norway. And my desperation level was greater than my fear level. As a Baptist pastor, I showed up in this little meeting. And it would be similar like the setting where we're here, even smaller today. And even for the people that are watching. Then Randy Clark, when he came, he said, if there's somebody here that wants more. And I had just experienced the praying for somebody in my Baptist church with stage four cancer. And the person died. And I knew there was not enough of Jesus in me. Somehow, the Jesus that I was reading in the Bible was not the one I was experiencing. And this led for me on this journey that there must be something more. And when Randy talked this story about there is something more, something took place in my spirit, and I went there. And my wife and I, we stood in a line in the end of that meeting, and there was the Lutheran pastor, the Methodist, the Pentecost. But the next thing that happened, they all went on the floor. And I thought this was very strange until he came to me, and he looks at me and says, you are a bulldozer. And I'm thinking, no, I'm a Baptist pastor. <laughs> that tells you how much I knew about prophecy. <laughs> so this wall of supernatural has not yet arrived in my life. But in the next moment, he looks at me and I see you as a bulldozer. And you're going to go into the darkest places in the world where the gospel has never been before. And I'm going to send you as a bulldozer and this big light is following after you. And I see multitudes of people following after you. And the next moment, I'm on the floor. And it was first waves of electricity and then it was fire. Then electricity, then the fire. The Methodist afterwards says, I've never seen a man sweat that much before. And I said, you try just to put 
set yourself on fire and you don't sweat. And these things just went on for over two hours. But when I came up from that floor, something had changed. Something was transformed. This Norwegian Viking had been rewired. And this started my journey, started my journey into different parts of the world where it was impossible for me even to dream. But what I didn't realize, and part of my story that is behind the story I wanted to talk about, but I still didn't realize there was nothing wrong, but it was still something that was not right. I still had an orphan heart. Saved? Yes. Going to heaven? Yes. But on the inside, there was still an area in my life that was not comfortable with love. And the area that was not comfortable with love uh, is not comfortable with God. And so, so much of my, the way I was wired, I thought, well, if I do, then I have, then I become. Because that is the orphan world. And this led me on a journey because now the enemy saw the destiny and signs, wonders, and miracles started to take place. In the end of 1995, in a Muslim country, I stood there on the stage and about 22,000 people, I never forgot it. It was the first quadriplegic I saw. The first blind eyes open and all these creative miracles. But after the meeting is over, next meeting there needed to be something more because there was still something missing. And I didn't realize that I was looking and longing for belonging. I had a house, but I didn't have a home. And you can live in a beautiful, beautiful house, but on the inside, you still don't have a place of security. I didn't have a place of love, and I didn't have a place of value. didn't have the place of purpose and affirmation. So I'm just sharing a little bit of my journey that leads even to some of the scriptures that we're going to look at, which I believe is so much part of a bigger picture, not just in my life, but what Papa God is doing in the world today. I knew Jesus. I also knew the Holy Spirit. But what I didn't know was Papa God. I didn't know the Father. I knew about Him. But I had not seen the face of a loving Father. So I was constantly out there trying to live for Him. Because I just wanted to be pleasing. After what Jesus did on the cross for me, at least what I can do for Him. And then I started to live for Him. While constantly, as I was thinking even, as I walked in in front of you, both as people watching around the world, and you as an audience. I was thinking about the story of my daughter, Lila Ann. Lila Ann is now married, 25. I have one son and four daughters. My youngest is 20. So, but Lila, I remember, she was just telling me a story. She says, Dad, when you used to travel around the world, and we were young and we came home, we loved when you came home because you always took us around and you gave us candy, and we used to go to this place called Hollywood Connection, and, and there we got our favorite soda pop, and we got to play these games. It was so much fun, Daddy, when you came home. But then Lila said something, but Dad, do you know, we actually really didn't care about the toys. We really didn't care about all the things we did. We actually just missed you, and we just wanted to be with you. And Lila started to teach me something on theology, and that is the best thing about God is God. And somehow I realized, even with Lila Ann, and it was so much connected to my nature. It's not just my value system of God, what He's going to do for me, but just who He is to me. So this journey started, so when I carried this impartation in 95, it started with a broken neck. The enemy tried to kill, steal, and destroy, and He always do. 
why Jesus always comes to give us life and life more abundantly. August 2nd, 1998, the rest of my body was broken in a car accident. I ended up in a body cast, and for nine months in this body cast, and I remember still the day where I'm just sitting in this wheelchair, had this calling, I'm a strong Norwegian Viking, and I'm supposed to go to the nation, here's the prophetic word over my life, but I cannot even walk. And then in the middle of it, I remember just, but who are you, Leif? You are supposed to be a bulldozer. You're supposed to go to the darkest places in the world. The word over you, you're supposed to be an ambassador of love into the Muslim world. And again, it took another two years before the little experience that I wanted to share with you that was part of transforming my life. And I believe it's also going to be transformational in your life. And this story was in year 2000. I mentioned I knew Jesus. I mentioned I knew the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is still my best friend, and so is Jesus. But in year 2000, eventually I came to the point where I said, Papa, I don't know how to do this any longer. I'm not able to be the person that you've called me to be. I'm not able to be able to be a minister. I'm not able to be the father. I'm not able to. Chronic pain. I'm not able to function the way that I'm supposed to. And through this experience in Melbourne, Florida, on the floor, Dennis Jernigan, he was playing the piano. And he says, Leif... In a similar meeting like this, I have a song for you. And it is a daddy's song. And he started to sing a song from Papa God towards me. And this Norwegian, he laid on the floor, and his waves and waves of liquid love came. And it just took me back again to the beginning. It took me back again to the Ephesians 1, 4. Leif, even before the foundation of the world, I knew you, Leif. And I predestined you in love. And then the love took me into when I was in my mother's womb. What did that little baby feel when my mom had to have surgery and the fear? And love went in and just took away the fear. Then it went into the 12-year-old boy in my life and some of the pain that happened and love just took it away. It's like I'm laying on the floor having these waves, but it's like watching a movie. It's like the father taking me back and it's like I know everything about you, but I still love you. And then eventually this voice from heaven that was about to change my life forever. And this is the starting point and it is the foundation to be rooted and grounded in love. So that we know how high and how deep and wide and long the Father's love is. Because the fullness dwells in there. And I was tired of living from measure when I could live from fullness. And at this moment, there was a voice from heaven that says, Leif, you are my, and you are my beloved. You are my beloved son. Not the apostle, not ambassador, not the author. You are my beloved son. Leif, I love you. But when he said the word, I am well pleased with you. Something was broken in my life. For the first time in my life, I knew I have an A-plus on the report card. Whoa. And by the way, <laughs> that A-plus is before I've taken the exam. <laughs> it is an ad- I'm just telling you, it was such an incredible thing to start to live from pleasure instead of pressure. Can I say that one more time? It was just such a joy to wake up on the morning and wake up with the very pleasure of Papa God. Knowing that he was well pleased with me. Knowing that Jesus took my F and he gave me his A+. 
He took my sin and he made me righteous. He took my sickness and disease and by his stripes I was healed. Wow, he took my shame and he glorified me. But eventually what I believe actually even that touched his heart. Jesus for a moment was separated from perfect love. So that you and I can be restored back again to the Father's love. All of his love, Jesus called him Papa and Father. But at this moment, he says, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. God, God, why have you forsaken me? Just for a moment, he was separated from perfect love. I actually believe for a moment he became an orphan. So that we could become sons and daughters. Two thousand thirteen in March, there was two hundred, excuse me, Christian homes that was burned by some radicals, and they burned the Christian homes in a city named Lahore, Pakistan. And I was watching on television, and I started to pray and say, "God, you need to do something." And I remember so clearly, says, "No, no, no, son, you need to do something." And it's not that God was not going to do, but I'm supposed to also represent Him. So I knew it was an imitation, and I said, I don't know how to do that, Papa. This is how these verses came. And he said, just receive my presence. And in my room, I just sat there, and I invited his presence, because this was totally impossible. And that's how these verses came. So I just looked at that. I was in a room full of fear. When I was looking at it, again, I was not looking from the right perspective. I saw how big the giant was and how small I was. But in the middle of it, I remember so clearly, I just need you, Jesus, if I have your presence. And that's how this message came all about. And the next moment, if I'm going to go there with your peace, I need your peace. And I received his peace. It just came over me, just like many of you are experiencing. And the next moment, but to go there, I need your provision. Yeah, just receive my provision. And then from that point, it just went on on this journey. I got a new passion, a new glow, and then eventually I made a journey over. We started to see reconciliation. It was a Catholic called St. Joseph Colony that had been burned down. And we went to the home, representing healing, representing reconciliation. Started to build this. But he said, life, if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. Your view towards them has all to do with how I treat them. And I remember so much that I had to receive, even at that very moment, his love. And I had to receive what he had for me to be able to give to him because I didn't have it in myself. I was so angry, I was so upset, and I ended up in a room full of fear until I had this encounter of his presence. Now I was able to carry his presence to the situation, and his presence started to change the atmosphere. And many of those Catholics in St. Joseph Colony, we got to see healings. We started to see miracles. Even many of the Muslims, they came in. When we came in and they just suddenly, God started to change when I looked at them differently. I said, you're not the problem. You are a promise. When my eyes started to change, my view towards them had to do with also how heaven was treated them. Because I represented God and I represented God to them. Because that's the ministry of reconciliation. Where we are representing God before the people and the people before God. 